0: We have to be brave enough to do what's right in a world that's full of so much inequity because they're benefiting off of us in our cowardice sometimes. They're benefiting off sure. of our, our numbness and we don't have time yeah, to be apathetic. So-
1: <laughs> Wagwan everybody, welcome to Stranger Fruit. I am Donovan.
2: I'm Constanza Eliana.
1: Yes, and we're coming to you live from these L.A. streets. I'm really happy to be here. Like, Eliana. Yes. The traffic sucks here. I know,
2: I know. L.A. Oh, my
1: God. L.A.
2: only had like a couple months in 2020 of traffic-free zone. And then it went right back to normal. It was a hot mess. It, it continues to be a hot mess. I don't like it. Welcome.
1: I don't like it. But the weather is fucking amazing. Yeah. So that's definitely a thing. It's
2: 78 degrees today for no reason at all.
1: Yes, I was yeah. like, this is luxurious as hell. Back in New York, where I'm from, right? with with Brooklyn streets. Yeah. It is literally 29 degrees outside right now. I'm so So sorry. I'm, I'm not missing that. <laughs> but I'm really excited to be here. We have some amazing guests that are here with us today. We're talking about community organizing. We're talking about politics. We're talking about the activism space. Yes. Yeah. Which typically is, it's kind of like one of those things where it's not the sexiest topic in the entire world, but it's all consuming. We're all dealing with it all the time. And
2: it's super important. And people are constantly talking about how we don't have enough good people running and all of this. But then they don't realize that there are really good people who want to run for Congress, for LA City Council, for whatever it might be, for the Senate, and uh, they just need the support and the resources to do so. Absolutely,
1: and LA in particular has had a lot of Mm shakeups, a lot of interesting results, Mm -hmm. so I'm excited to get into it. Ileana, do your thing.
2: Yes. So today we have Dulce Vasquez. She is an educator, activist, philanthropist, and most recently a candidate for LA City Council. Thank Thank you for having me. me. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Next we have Sim Bilal. He is a youth climate and community organizer from South LA focusing on grassroots organizing and empowering other young people in civic engagement. Welcome. nice, welcome. And lastly, we have Shelly Bruce, a really good friend of mine here in LA. She is an artist, a poet, community organizer, and founder of BIPOC Community Center, the heart department in LA. Welcome.
1: Yes, welcome <laughs> y'all. Welcome to Stranger Fruit. Welcome.
2: welcome. We're so happy. That this is
1: our first shoot in LA and y'all are the first ones here. So Ooh. thank you for blessing us. Yeah. Um, Ileana, I'll let you go. Getting first.
2: Yeah. So the reason I wanted to have all of you here for this discussion is because I know how much uh, talk people have about our politics. You know, people don't, uh, you know, they definitely don't subscribe to Republicans if they're liberal, but they have a lot of critique for Democrats and, you know, independents. Um, I think, you know, most people are a little bit frustrated with our politics these days. And one of the things that I don't see major media talking about a lot is the community organizers that are constantly on the ground. They are constantly working and talking to the people in their neighborhoods, um, in their different um, organizations, community organizations locally, and young people, millennials and Gen Z in particular. Um, And I also have had friends who have run for Congress and whether it was redistricting or it was, you know, lack of finance and support, they weren't able to make it yeah. like an AOC or somebody from the squad was able to get lucky enough to do. So I'm really excited to have Sim in particular, because you recently worked on a very successful campaign. Gen Zer Kenneth, who won. Hey. <laughs> Hello. Her, hey, so. I, I don't know. Ken,
3: Kenneth, I'm gonna claim him as a millennial. I
2: know, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <The> millennial <laughs> guys <laughs> is like That's his old ass. ass. That is Teetering, teetering, but the He's, fuel, the fuel, Gen Z fuel. Yes, Gen
1: Z
2: fuel. Exactly. Millennial
1: candidate.
0: Nice.
2: Yes, <laughs> definitely teeters on the Gen Z millennial spectrum. It's like right there in the I think it's line. a zillennial is what it's called. A zillennial, yes. Uh-huh. Um, there's a, um, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but Sim, congratulations, you guys won your campaign. So I'm really happy to have you here. That's and then amazing. Dulce, you ran for LA City Council. That's how I found you. I just randomly found a an Instagram reel that you had put out about your campaign. And I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to you. And I've been following you ever since. Unfortunately, you did not win your campaign, but I would love to hear about your experience there too. And then of course, with community organizing, where it doesn't necessarily deal with politics, but Shelly, you have been in the community for such a long time you have done so much good work with blm we put a um it wasn't a protest it was a vigil. vigil. Mm -hmm. we put a vigil together for um black lives matter and for latinos and i had such a good experience Mm -hmm. doing that with you and working with the community to get that done um in south la so thank you all for being here so the very first question I have for you, Dulce, is what was it like to run for LA City Council for the first time, gaining critique and support and praise? What was that like for you? Completely overwhelming. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Say more. Um, well, you know, the campaign lasted about 18 months, mm-hmm. and it, it was an impulsive decision to run uh, because I, I, it was me and a friend and they were like, you should do it. I'm like, well, I'm so angry right now, right? Yeah. I'm so angry, I'm so frustrated. It was after the the BLM protests, the George Floyd protests in June of 2020, Yeah, like several months after that, sort of someone put the thought in my head that you should run if you're so upset about this. Mm. And I was upset about the lack of action, the lack of, efficiency, I was upset about who was being left out of the conversation, and at the time I was a city commissioner oh. uh, for El Pueblo, like Olvera Street, and I just kept thinking that like immediately they told all of the airport uh, stands that mm-hmm. their rent was going to be waived but the city also owns that property on Olvera Street and Donovan if, if you don't know what Olvera Street is it's all these like mm-hmm. like shops uh, from like they started in like 1930s like Mexican shops yeah. okay. and it's this like iconic Mexican street where it was like the birthplace of Los Angeles like that's where the first 44 settlers came to Los Angeles mm. and at the time the city hadn't yet told like our vendors that their rent was going to be waived mm. and I'm like well the city owns this property this is the easiest thing that you could do it's not like you have to go for like the rest of the city and and tell landlords hey please like hold your rent yeah. so i got so angry, and i was the only one that was vocal or urgent about it um mm-hmm. on the commission and um was seeing this sort of play out everywhere else so sort of that angry i was like all right i'm gonna do this and i just like impulsively filed and i'm just like all right now what wow. um and and it was truly over 18 months like if you build it they were they will come yeah Um, I launched with a very, very core team of uh, young girls in South Central that I had been mentoring for a long time. Mm. Um, And along the way, uh, my campaign manager showed up one day and and she's like, hey, do you have a campaign manager yet? And I was like, no, I don't. (laughs) And she's like, okay, I'm your campaign manager now. Here's your plan. And she had this like PowerPoint presentation with like 20 pages and he's like, here's what we're gonna do. I'm like, okay.
2: Wow. um,
1: Whoa, that's, that's amazing. That's
2: yeah. wow. yeah. What a dream, And, okay. and literally
3: every <laughs> single volunteer or donor, like they, they came to me, they came to my door and they're like, what can I do? and um even the the paid field canvassers that we found we would be at a park one day and someone would show up and be like oh my god i love this like do you have any jobs <laughs> i'm like yes like come canvas with us and and that's how we found most of our paid field team too and, and that's exactly what i wanted with all the money that i raised i wanted to hire local wow. yeah. hire people from the community we, were, we worked with a gang intervention program to hire um folks from there as well and and you know, there were lots of downs too. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots yeah. of roller coaster days, right? Not even roller coaster weeks. Like within a day, you have the high of you know getting endorsed by Los Angeles time. and then like the lows of like getting hit by my opponents. Um, you know, I had protesters at my house. I've never like taken wow. a single vote. And I had protesters at my house, so it's just like the whole experience was so educational for me. It was life changing for me. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Yeah. I think there are easier ways to learn about yourself than doing this. <laughs> but I think it really changed the the trajectory my, of my life and, and of how I impact my community.
2: Yeah.
1: That is beautiful. Yeah. I have what an, an experience. I know. I have Woo. an immediate question when you yes. said these fools were at your house. How did this impact your family? Like yeah. actually deciding so to run. I'm so sorry that
0: happened.
1: Yeah. How did that impact like your family, your household? So I am I am married,
3: and um, he's the loveliest man I've ever met. Yeah. He's so understanding, and he's so encouraging. And I think, um, you know, when I first decided to run, my family's all over the place, so I had a Zoom conversation with oh. all of them. Mm. And the very first thing I said to all of them, I said, I don't know when, but it will happen where I get attacked. Right. And I need you to not respond. I need you to, like, stay off of... Yeah. Social media, do not like bait. Don't anyone. go into the
2: comments. See, I do would not. be that person. <laughs> if you were my sister, or my cousin, or what or my auntie, I would be like ah, just in the comments. So I tempting. you would need to have a conversation with <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And and
3: actually the person that was left out of that conversation was my best friend. Um. Right? Like my best friend I told separately, not part of the family. Yeah. Mm. But then she started responding to comments <laughs> on TikTok, yeah. and I had to set her aside. And I was like, Yeah. baby, like this is giving me anxiety. I know you're trying (laughs) to defend me. I know, I know you're, I know you mean well, but like, this is actually like stressing me out. So I need you
1: to stop. But you know what? Let me ask, I'll ask why, because certain people are gonna listen to this. They're gonna be like, yo, you would need your homies to back you up. So why were you like, no, don't say anything. Keep quiet, stay out.
3: There's no winning. There's no winning. And um, particularly if people are like, I've known her for a long time. Like there's always gonna be the like, for me, it was like, they will now look into her. They will now, harassing yes. her they will now start you know figuring this out because
2: politics gets ugly it got like it it's got really ugly it's beyond ugly it, it's now. Beyond and terrifying. as a woman of color as a latina you know i think a lot of people have the under the misunderstanding sometimes that california is very liberal and very progressive oh for sure we have a lot of trump supporters here we have a lot of maga there are certain neighborhoods that i personally will not go to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so yes. as a Latina, I'm sure you had that constant anxiety of I'm going to get targeted. I have to like, you know, really protect myself and my family. So I could totally understand why, you know, the best friend, the writer died. Oh, yeah. Just got to <laughs> slow
1: it <laughs> did down. You, did your best friend stop when you told <laughs> she him did. to? She yeah. did. She did. Okay. She
3: understood. Um, but, but back to my husband, I think, um, you know, from the start, my campaign strategist like sat him down and it's like you will be like your only job in this campaign is to provide her joy Mm -hmm. Mm. and he took that job so seriously he was supportive he you know when he saw that i was down it's like all right we need to get you away we need to go out to dinner we need to like get you out of this environment
1: that's great that's amazing support is everything i can't first of all i don't think i would ever run for I think that, that it just sounds so daunting and I just completely admire folks who yeah. go into the lion's den and deal with the fuckery that's out mm-hmm. here because so many mm-hmm. people are inspired by incredibly nefarious and like yeah. really, really insidious um, reasons and, and things that are just about finances and we've, I mean, so many stories have come out. The first thing that, has, that came to my mind was the news that came out of whatever the douchebag woman in her cohort um, was? Yes, what is, the LA what is their City name? Council. Oh, yeah, the LA City Council.
2: Nuri Martinez? Yes.
1: Yes. She who shall not be named by me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so. it wasn't
2: just nudie, it was three others. It was
1: three others. And I know that they equally, you know, talked about a whole bunch of different kinds oh, of communities, yes. right? And that, and this kind of like... It was like, like a blanket. It was yeah. like, like I'm, everywhere. Everybody can everybody. get this. As
2: racist right. as, as you can anything. possibly be, Yes, they just threw it all out there. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: And so in a climate like that, in a place like LA, which does have a lot of diversity from what I've seen yeah. at least... How did you feel as a Latina coming to the, to the what I would call the market, the political market, no. to claim S- space <laughs> to the slaughterhouse, to yeah. claim space? How did you feel? How much of your identity um, plays into your decision to 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 run and then to campaign even across communities? All of it. All mm. of
3: it. All of it. Um, so so let me address the the Nuri stuff because when I woke up and I read the New York Times in bed. And I was, I was not surprised. Mm. Right. Right. As someone who has been in spaces with the four of those people who went to the Federation of Labor and was like, all right, I want to compete for this endorsement. Mm -hmm. I want to compete for support. And then subsequently finding out, you know, with other conversations, um, the the head of the Labor Federation saying like, oh, no, no, not, not that seat. We already have someone for that seat. Right. And, and hmm. the overall broadness of like we're trying to build Latino political power. But I was like, no, 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 they're not talking about me. Right. Mm. They're talking about their group. Right. And, and I think part of me, part of my you know, campaign strategy of going to all of these organizations that I knew I wasn't going to get to. I knew I wasn't going to get to, but I wanted to stand there and be like, Here's how smart I am. Here is my vision for this city. Here's how I feel like I represent this community. I want you to tell me no to my face.
4: Yeah.
3: Mm. I'm not gonna not like no. I'm not gonna get the federation. I'm not even gonna apply. No, I'm gonna apply and I'm gonna speak to an, a room of 89 union members. Were there. Hmm. And I was like, I want you to listen to me, listen to my passion, listen to my ideas, and then tell me you want to stick with the guy who's been in politics for 30 years.
1: Right, yeah. Work, Yes, exactly, exactly, I'm here for that, I am here for that. And it's that kind of energy, that's the energy that we need. Mm -hmm. And And when you're going up against a machine, where people are working in that type of way, where they're conspiring before you even show up. Yeah. That's a beast.
2: Mm-hmm. So mm, congratulations
1: yeah. to you. Um, I'm really, really proud of what you've done, despite the outcome. Um, so, Sim, I want to bring you in while we have you here in all of your glory, um, coming off of your campaign. You know, in in the same realm, how did you feel? You know, having a millennial um, candidate, right? Are you a Gen Zer?
4: Yeah, Gen Z.
1: Holla! I have to <laughs> I have to ask because you know. I spent a lot of my work working and talking with millennials. And as I've gotten older, as the gray hairs have come in, have come in, <laughs> I've said to myself, you know, at some point I'm gonna have to get out of the way and like listen to younger voices and see what younger voices have to say. No. How do you feel that the Gen Z perspective impacted your campaign? And did you feel that the millennials, including their, your, um, their, their, your candidate, how, do you think that the folks were
5: receptive To that energy oh yeah absolutely um you know i think our campaign had one of the strongest gen z bases and you know a lot of the other progressive candidates that ran you know they followed suit. you know we had gen z for darling which popped up after us and and so you know uh i think kenneth and jane they made a lot of room and like space to to hear from us so you know i'm a really passionate climate activist and i wrote the climate policy uh for kenneth along with uh kyler and stuff like that so like they made a lot of space and a lot of room for us to sort of lead the direction of the campaign you know yeah. a lot of the the culture around the campaign was also Gen Z based you know there was a lot of memes a lot of TikToks which all came from our Gen Z you know volunteers and stuff so like they made sure there's a lot of space for us to sort of lead the conversation lead the culture of the campaign and you know it, lead, it led to a really successful campaign and Um, We had, you know, some of the highest youth voter turnout in Los Angeles, specifically for the city controller. Yes, because, you know, the amount of work and effort we put into connecting with Gen Zers and and millennials, you know, we made them excited about a, a political candidate, which is very rare. Yeah, Yeah, especially for uh, local Mm -hmm. elections.
2: And the exciting part is that, you know, this was the first year, I think, the first election season where a lot more Gen Zers were able to vote. Yes. And that I noticed, too, that the media was kind of ignoring. Yes, they were. They were kind of just breezing right by that, (sighs) ignoring the Gen Z vote. Mm -hmm. And then look at that.
5: Yeah. We end
2: up having a winner.
5: Yeah, we definitely shifted the tides. And that was a part of our strategy from the jump. You know, we did have like... A really strong elder sort of base, like boomers, really supported our campaign. But, really, you know, oh yeah, that's we Can, can we, we insert a gasp sound <laughs> right here? Yes. Okay, because uh, you know, <laughs> we were able what? to announce our victory on election night, which very few candidates right. could do. Right, yeah. You know, everyone else, it's about two Staggered weeks, three weeks. weeks, weeks. Exactly, it takes a down, while. Yeah, down the, down the election uh, cycle, but we can announce on the same day because we also targeted, you know, a lot of elders, and we were very, you know. You have to be strategic about how you talk to people and address their needs and their concerns, especially for a citywide position, which we did, and we were very successful at that. So you know, uh, while we had a really strong Gen Z support and base, like that just keeps pushing up the the barrier between us and Karets. But like, we had the older people support us too, which is how we announced on election night. Wow, I
1: think that that's really amazing. You know, I would say that like as a millennial, I've always kind of looked at baby boomers a little (laughs) bit like as adversaries, and the reason why is because. Like you experience, Dulce, people have a hard time getting out of the way and allowing younger people to fully step in. I think what the amazing part about this is, is that if you didn't know, now you know.
4: Exactly. Yes,
1: Gen Z will completely shift the tide of what we can expect on the political landscape. And it's kind of like we always knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. But traditional media... Continues to do this thing, will they ignore the younger generation until they are able to vote? So I think that this was very loud, it was very proud, and people will adjust. They mm-hmm. will adjust mm-hmm. because, you know, when they talked about this red wave that was gonna happen, and what did you call it? A pink splash? What I called it a pink
2: splash. I, I was like, this was not giving no wave. <laughs>
1: it was not <laughs> giving a not. wave. It was not giving <laughs> a wave.
2: Republicans <laughs> were like, no. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm so, and then afterwards they were like, yeah, we knew it wasn't gonna, no, you yeah. didn't.
2: Liars. Why are you lying?
1: Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask because I know you spent so much time, you know, like you said, you basically wrote essentially what was the agenda for the climate change side of the house. Mm, yeah. Traditional media oftentimes do not talk about climate change with the sense of urgency that we right. understand really exists. It's always like there are two sides to it. It's
2: There's like a nice to have most of the time. Exactly. It's like, oh yeah, and we care about the environment. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did you find that that was a leading issue that you were able to campaign on, or did it fall a little bit behind a couple of other issues? And if it did, yeah. what were the what were the big issues, you'd say?
5: Okay, so I think, you know, part of the issue was we had a very constructed narrative from the status quo. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the attention was on, like, Rick Russo and Karen Bass because they were mayoral candidates, and they, right. they, yeah. they tried to lead the narrative, but, you know, uh, we, we sort of steer clear of that. Climate for Gen Z and for millennials is one of the leading issues, especially, you know, Right around the summertime, we had the, like really about wild, wildfires mm-hmm. and just a lot of different right. environmental issues. So uh, people's like perspectives they, they they change. Like what's important to them it sort of fluctuates. But climate is I, I would say always a priority. But you know in addition to that, it's it's homelessness, it's you know yeah. housing. Those are also oh, transit. Transit. Yeah, yeah, these were all issues that we led on, and um, you know the other campaigns and candidates followed suit. But it was it was a, it was a uphill battle for sure.
1: Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, Race and its construct has put us yeah. in so many conundrums, right? I'm interested to understand from your perspective, millennials, I know how we see race. I know that it's a huge issue. Is there as much of a concern around race and race relations, even when it comes down to campaigning from a Gen Z perspective? Or do you feel like it's all one and the same?
5: I feel like we're a lot more comfortable talking about race in Gen Z. Uh, you know, a lot of us were coming to age during the George Floyd uprisings and just a lot of issues that came before, you know. Uh, I'm half black my make Jamaican. I heard you say Wagwan. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> right here, too. Oh, What's you that? too? No, oh, yeah, <laughs> I heard it. <laughs> uh, so, like, you know. It's – it's I, I grew up understanding the complexities of, of race and segregation and, you know, redlining and, and all these issues because, you know, I, I growing up in South L.A., I think my dad used to say, like, the freeway was, like, a barrier. So, like, on one mm-hmm. side of the freeway, you know, right. it's, it's really nice and then it's affluent. And the other side, you know, we have oil drilling and we have uh, – pollution there's trash everywhere mm-hmm. there's gangs you know it's it's, really, it's it's not safe it's dangerous
2: and there's a lot of history behind that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
5: So it's, there's a lot of history behind that and so mm-hmm. you know we also sort of led into the race uh issues and intention with our mm-hmm. campaign we made a, a map of like LAPD spot of uh, LAPD stops to basically show that they were racist in their strategy and mm-hmm. and, and, and like the areas they targeted and so yeah. you know we we did a map of all the stops. We we broke it down by race, and of course, black and Hispanic men were the most stopped yeah. amongst any race, uh, and also the areas that LAPD targets. So you know they target areas, make it seem like there's more crime, which is not necessarily true. It's just they have a larger police presence, and a lot right. of times, you know, the police are inciting violence, they're inciting crimes, they're they're causing crimes. Like, um, and so it, we we mapped that, and we showed it from a, a you know a factual. Uh, factual perspective from a scientific perspective. You can't argue with the data and science. And so, you know, it was was cool to like have, you know, data and science to back up stuff we already know living in these communities, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to bring Shelly into the conversation at this point because I know when you spoke about the visual that you all did, right? Even with the point of this show, Mm -hmm. right? I spent a lot of time personally having conversations with black folks. Eight strong years, a better part of a decade really diving into conversations about the black experience and all of its diversity, right? Mm -hmm. How do you feel at this particular point where we are with race relations, specifically in the birth of the Black Lives Matter movement, Mm -hmm. after having Trayvon killed, I believe it was 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. All of these years later, it is like nine years later and we're holding visuals for black bodies in the streets and brown bodies. How do you feel about where we are in terms of community as black and brown folks mm. together organizing, coming together to move culture and politics forward? How would you describe that?
0: Mm. such a <laughs> such a big question, mm-hmm. a big, beautiful question. before I speak, I just want to acknowledge both of you and like the literal, like, tireless work that it requires to run for office in yeah. a time that people are just so shallow at times <laughs> and and unwilling. And spiritually bypassing, you know, uh what it really takes to make an impact on our society and our community. You know, yeah. people don't, oh I don't I don't vote. It's like Oh yeah. You know what I mean? But how do you have the laws that you benefit from? Yeah. Um so thank you for being dedicated to doing a lot of unpaid labor yes. <laughs> to do the right thing, even when people would want to attack you. Um I really admire that and I'm very, very grateful. Yeah, um, I echo that. And on on the other end, I think I I grew up a lot of people saying, oh, Shelly for president, <laughs> and, and just like, <laughs> Shelly oh, mayor God. of the city. And, and maybe one day, but really, I right now, I mean, I'm so intimidated by the systems and structures that we have because they're so corrupted. And at the same time, I also feel like I want to be like the fuel behind wonderful leaders with my community organizing and, and be able to use art and creativity and indigenous practices to support those movements. Yeah. And so, for me in terms of this question i find that uh community organizing and it's just multifaceted like dynamic growth right now is gives me a lot of hope i think in the greater scheme of this this question it's like how old is racism <laughs> like how old is sexism how yeah. deeply ingrained is it and like like what time is like forever like how long <laughs> like you know like how how long Um, Are we going to be in this? But it's, I think, such an intrinsic part of us as human beings from the time we're born until the time we pass on. And so it's always going to be there in some realm and way. One of the things I started saying in 2020 was like, Welcome to your new lifestyle, y'all. Everybody needs to be an activist. Everybody needs to be a community organizer. It's not uh, a hobby. It's not like right. a career path. It's something that should be a part of our everyday lives because we have so many systems and structures to reevaluate and, and rebuild. Mm-hmm. That's that part of in terms of like the, the like just many centuries and the many just lifestyles of what this work is but also and as as disheartening as that can be you know as disheartening as is to hear that people are showing up at your house like why did how do they even get your address like what right. like you know what i mean like that should not be happening and i also have so much hope like when we plan this vigil i i started this kind of grassroots organization called day of healing in 2020 because for my years of activism that like burnt me out and nearly just like Killed yeah. me. Um, I knew that I wanted to bring indigenous perspective, healing perspectives, and an emotional awareness to how heavy this work is. So, having a vigil is a time for us to collectively grieve. Having yeah. a vigil is for us time for us to light candles, time for us to pray, sing, cry, and speak loudly. And I think was w- us working together. We've even just had some dope heart to heart conversations yeah. as mm-hmm. a brown woman and a black woman, and and that's been so healing for me to 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 join together and bring have enough empathy and understanding to support one another and right now the work i'm doing now from the day of healing now we have a headquarters called the heart department this physical space beautiful we do concerts we do you know meditation we do so many things and i'm so inspired by how incredible it is the things that we're doing so right now i feel very hopeful that these the way that we're doing this work it's not just a march it's not just a campaign it's sound baths it's indigenous practices it's connecting to our our healing of our hearts Mm -hmm. and that is being done in such a multifaceted way that like especially because of like campaigns like a gen z backed campaign it gives me a lot of hope for um, where we're headed so I'm excited yeah,
2: yeah. and you've done some really incredible Beautiful. work too with just like the Iranian protests that mm. we've seen so even though that's not happening currently in LA there's a big Iranian community yes. here and you they have... They
0: call it Tehranjulus I don't yeah. know if you heard... Wait <laughs> can you repeat Ter- that? Tehranjulus because Tehran is a city in Iran and then yeah. they call oh it Tehranjulus because it's the second largest population of Iranians anywhere in the world that's yeah. dope. is dope. LA
2: is truly diverse LA is the <laughs>
3: second largest population of most yeah. countries in the world. Yeah. It's the second Next largest population York, of Mexicans, Armenians, yeah. like, within the country. Like It's, Jews. Truly it's like the country
0: a of Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> like, truly a like high. Like
1: Mind and you, you, people you, do think about talk about California like it's yeah. its own country, by the way. <laughs> There's enough of us here. There really yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. There really
2: is. But you've done some really incredible work with just organizing now in this beautiful space that you have in mm-hmm. LA, um, organizing things like fundraisers things like you know come and cut your hair in support of iranian women Mm. and iranian uh, rights Mm -hmm. um and it's been really beautiful um for you you know i know just from working with you how heart-centered you are in your community organizing for you it's never been i have never gotten the sense from you that it's like oh i just want to be seen on the news because we've had news people show up, right? Oh, I just want to get, you know, my cookies and my stars for you mm-hmm, know putting mm-hmm. together a BLM protest. Yeah. Um, you did some really incredible work at the beach. Uh, remind me again the be- the Bruce's name of the be- beach. Bruce's beach. Oh, let's yes. Talk
1: about it. <laughs> yes. Bruce's beach. What's the tea? I want to know recently, so much. Tea.
2: The, so the beach the tea has hot. gone through <laughs> its own history uh, being taken away from the black community, being given back to the black community it's been a really beautiful thing. And you um, have done some incredible, like spiritually centered work and um, vigils there. And so for you, like what is it like to be a part of the community, to show up for the community and with the community but then go home, you know, what is it like at home? Like, are you Mm -hmm. exhausted? Are you thrilled? Is it complex? Mm -hmm. Is it nuanced? Like, what has that been like for you?
0: Man, it's a whole, just so everything is intrinsic and just trying to, just living, trying to not survive, but thrive. First of all, women, life, freedom, women, life, freedom, and may our voices continue to propel the voices of Iranian people who don't have much that they can do in this process of, liberating themselves. Uh, so may we keep that alive. And yeah. my best friend is Iranian-Persian. I call her my per- German-Persian dance hall queen. <laughs> no, She's not. born in Germany, parents Iranian, dance hall dancer. She's more Jamaican than me, honestly. <laughs> um, but she, her mother lives in Tehran. Mm. She just had a daughter. And I mean, outside of the empathy I must have, because this is my best friend, it's such a reminder of the mirror of our experiences right. as people. And for me, Activism is literally a means of staying alive, not just for our world and my communities, but for my mental health, mm-hmm. because there's so many things about not just doing this work, but my own livelihood that it's like, it's so overwhelming. When yeah. I first started doing marches, I did a um, Mar- Millions March Los Angeles back mm-hmm. in 2014. I remember I spent my birthday at uh, LAPD headquarters because we decided to get a permit at the time, which was kind of controversial. But at the time, I felt like it was safer just for for the community to t- you know, traffic and the march, Um, but I was so burnt out by that. And so I ended up in more in the healing space and I was also so ashamed. I thought there were so many mistakes I made. Mm. Um, So in the healing space, it's just been something that's taught me so many modalities, whether it's therapy, whether it's um, indigenous practices, whether it's connecting to my own artwork, whether it's like half of this year, I didn't really work. I chose to save myself because I was so overwhelmed and I didn't care about what people thought and whatever like and I, I had the privilege of having loving parents who allowed me to just move home, but um, it was so that I could preserve my mind yeah. and preserve my my willingness to be here because it's so overwhelming yeah. doing this work and just being in this world. So for me, I can't not be an activist. I can't not be a community organizer. I can't not be an artist. It's my duty, it's my life. It's It keeps me going and it gives me hope because who else is gonna do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, I, I feel like it's kind of the black woman's like badge sometimes, and it shouldn't have to be, but right. who else is gonna do it? Well, I guess I'm gonna do it because no one else is gonna do it. But I think we all have to have the mentality yeah. to an extent because um, we didn't create a lot of these things, but we're in these things. Um, I guess, semi enclosing. closing, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I'm I, very like spiritual nerd and 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 <laughs> cultural nerd. So I love doing these things. So I'm so excited. The things I love to do and that just feel good to me and that are healthy for me are also things I can contribute. But that's kind of why I'm like, yeah, I want to yell. I want to have rage. I want to express very viscerally our absolute total normal emotional response to like insanity all the time. Like, yeah. and also like I deserve to sleep. I want to feel yes. bliss. I yeah. want to turn up. Okay, I want to eat good, Every I want to have organic you your ass a little bit and throw it back and have a kick That's back Q-A. and be a regular it person. It is, yes. all that energy in the hips, okay? Yeah. Like, yes. it needs to move, like, yeah. I mean, I can't twerk real well, but <laughs> we I use to We let your best friend do yeah. Yeah. We work <laughs> on it, we work on it. Yeah, she need help me. The <laughs> the queen. Um, but yeah, I think um, thriving, like in the infinite realm of our imagination, we can also apply that to anything in the world. So we can thrive while we fight. For our rights. We can do beautiful work. That's why when Day of Healing, we have a protest, everyone wears white at times. We yes. sing, we dance, we scream, we cry, we give offerings to the ocean because it is an art form. Yeah. And so that is also just as impactful. And sometimes in a world that's so shallow and so like, you know, algorithm focused, it's yes. like you have to kind of make it sexy. You have to make it beautiful for people to pay attention sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, I think we we get to find out how to thrive. In a world that is really kind of trying to monetize off of its chaos. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, I have to say, I'm not participating in the chaos. I'm going to create thriving and harmonization um, for myself and people. And even if that means me taking half a year off to do damn near nothing, yeah. right. because that's a revolution in and of itself. I was good. Ooh. That's
1: exactly. I was just about to say that. I think like that 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 thought process or that commitment to the spiritual aspect of this, to the actual work, and to just whatever that self-care is for yourself is revolutionary. You know, when we think about our answers, I often say that, you know, as millennials, Gen X, I'll start with Gen X. Mm -hmm. Gen X, millennials, very spoiled. Um, Spoiled in the sense that we come from a legacy of folks who did not have the luxury of taking a fucking break, or um, by not being scared of being lynched, mm. which was the inspiration for the name of the show. Um, mm. You know, black protest being a, a string throughout are the legacy of blackness in this country, and then you can see that also exists in other communities. And I think at this point, and understanding that our backs are against the wall now, maybe a resurgence of that kind of energy because we're not just here just working our nine to fives anymore. People are getting right. fired from their nine to they They're trying to glamorize a gig economy and trying to get us to be oh, we're perfectly comfortable with not getting paid enough money and now we have to get a second and a third job. Yeah, you know, that's not- unf- Brainwashing.
0: Unf- mm-hmm. Brainwashing.
1: Our parents, well, my parents, even though at times my immigrant mom did have more than one job, mm-hmm. I would say that a lot of her cohorts and her peers did not because you can get a job that could take care of mm-hmm. take care right. of you. So for us, there's this resurgence of energy that we have to fight back. But like the pendulum swings, you have to be able to find that balance. How? do you take care of yourself in that process? Um, One of the things that you said was the algorithm. And I just wanna touch on this because the activism space Mm -hmm. cannot be removed from that. It can't be removed from capitalism. And what I've seen is that activism has become a cash cow machine for a lot of people. Division is at an all time high. We could see before that that's how CNN and Fox News made their money by completely being on polar opposites of any Situation, even if they didn't believe what the fuck they were saying. And now you as an influencer can do the same thing. Now you can get a check for being a Candace Owens. Now you can get a check for being extremely liberal on the other (laughs) side. And you can become a millionaire from being divisive. So a lot of what we're dealing with is foolishness. It's artificially made um, so that people can have a means to a financial end. Let's face it, community organizing and politics, especially at its impetus, at its beginning when you're starting, is not lucrative. No. So, how can you talk a little bit about your experience in being in the space of activism and? the way that capitalism involves itself. I'd love for all of you to speak mm-hmm. on this because mm-hmm. I know that raising funds is a huge part of yeah. running for office and organizing. But so, it's also
2: complicated because there's a lot of rules involved yeah. in yeah. how you even get the funds in the first place. It's a spectrum, right? Okay.
3: So we can start at the sort of lower end of that spectrum, right? that you have normal person that has nine to five that you know, doesn't play in the space and wants to run for office right and their network right it's all about your network and who you think can get you off the ground and donate to your campaign but that person doesn't have the resources of the other end of the spectrum so let's take an elected official an incumbent official right the the sources of that money are going to be unions or you know sort of like places that want to lobby for your attention and those rules vary between federal down to like city, right? So uh, as a city council candidate, I couldn't take money from lobbyists. But, you know, me as as myself, I decided to not take money from like any non-individuals, right? I wasn't taking any, you know, PAC money. I wasn't taking any LLC money. I wasn't taking like anything that didn't come from like a person. Mm-hmm.
4: Someone wow. tried to donate
3: from their business. We sent the money right back. Like, I don't care uh-huh. what your business does. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want you your money. I want your money to have right. your name attached to it. I want right. people to know that a person, not a business, is donating right. to right. me. But you get incumbents that you know are getting money from AT&T and Walmart and Costco and whatever, yeah. but then they also get all the labor unions. And it's just, not just one, right? There are like hundreds of them, like 4,900, 4,900, 4,900. Or in the C- LA City case, between their race, my race, 1,500 is their cap, 800 was, was my mm. cap. And you just see that mm. down the ground, right? my main opponent, like 30% of his funding came from non-individuals, mm. right? People who businesses, unions, PACs, et cetera, not to even like count it, independent expenditure campaigns, right, that are are launched without a candidate's Uh, collaboration or even approval Mm -hmm. Um, and that all money is you don't know where it's coming from and I kind of find myself somewhere in the middle because um, I decided to run I I feel sort of financially confident right I I have a a job I have a home I have a spouse Um, while I could not afford to leave my job and do this full-time I do know that I have a vast network why? Because like I've had multiple jobs. I belong to multiple organizations. I sit on multiple boards. Mm-hmm. You know, part of my job is public affairs. I've lived in one, two, three, three different states, and I work in a fourth. Mm-hmm. So and I and I went to a university and you know, I won't even get into sort of the the elitism and, and structure of higher education. Yeah. yeah. But I went to an elite private, like White uh institution. Yeah. But the people that go there tend to like get really great jobs that pay them a lot of money and then right. they can donate to my campaign. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. um, and, you know, that that's not the same for someone that that went to either a community college or like a, a state school. They're very like right. Unicorns in all of yeah. those, obviously. Yeah. So, so I was able to exercise my network in, in my campaign, but I didn't have the resources of, of an elected official. But I had more of an advantage than just like starting it at mm. zero.
4: Mm-hmm. Got
1: it. But
3: it definitely, you know, I, I think my campaign got attention because I came out the gates with yeah. all, with with money to yeah. show,
1: yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, in context, as someone who I would say, like, I've gotten over the years, I would admit it's because of Barack Obama that really kind of like (laughs) propelled me into getting more education around politics. But one of the things that's kind of remained very elusive is this idea of like, this campaign raised a bazillion dollars, this campaign, and and, and you can predict based on that who's going to win and and lose. I'm like, is this politics? Are y'all gambling? Like, what? what, This doesn't make any sense. And this is why I would say your campaign and what you worked on it to me is a little bit of a unicorn because I'm no shade. You correct me <laughs> yeah. if I'm wrong, <laughs> but I'm thinking about Gen Z's. I'm like, they don't got no money. They just started <laughs> working. Like, We're We're silent. like, yeah, everybody's <laughs> no,
2: no <shade>. broke. <laughs> so,
1: so how was that? How was like the finance and the, the raising the finances rather on that side with a Gen Z back campaign? What was that
5: like? Yeah. We got really creative, but okay. we do have an advantage in Los Angeles City. We have something called matching funds, and so okay. Oh, okay. if you for citywide, so it's a little bit easier than on a, like a like a um, city council or like a CD specific race because they're they're restricted to you know the individuals in their area You can give the money and the city will match that fund. Oh, but okay. we're a citywide campaign, so we got matching from from the entire city, mm. and then we've also been working on something independently called democracy vouchers, where basically um, people will mm. set they'll give you like if the rest Lives in the city, they'll give them like a hundred dollars to spend towards that campaign, and then that money, because it's coming from the resident that lives in that city, will get matched by the city. That, and is that sort amazing. of helps, yeah. It helps That's with great. The, whoa, oh, I know, with it. raising <laughs> money. It, it does, it, it plays a huge role because we were out raised, I think, like six to one to our opponent. And you know, he's getting money from the oil industry, he's getting money from mm. oh, they get real sneaky, like legit, they'll have different people that host fundraisers. So oh, yeah, yeah. I went to like Bakersfield to like make this campaign ad Video where we like investigated where the money was coming from because the address on the on the, on the ethics website was to an oil pump in the middle of Bakersfield. Oh we went. And uh, we did a whole thing, and then that kind of put me on our opponent's radar. And He started taking <laughs> me too. So yes, I can imagine. They're oh like, "What are these kids doing?" Here? Oh, literally, literally. <laughs> He's like,
0: "Y'all are funny. genius."
5: Yeah, it, it was. We got really sneaky. We got really creative, and mm-hmm. you know, people wanted to fund our campaign because they saw it was fun. It was exciting. We were pumping out resources for people in real times, and that mm-hmm. it made people excited and want to donate. Um, and you know, we also did uh push up contests to, to get people to donate. We did mm-hmm. pie in the face on pie day. We got really, really creative. <laughs> That's and so, so fun. It was it was fun. I love it. So we got really creative, Genius. but we had a little help with the matching funds. But
2: it sounds like it you kind of need to get creative these oh, days yeah, because absolutely. if you yeah. don't have an establishment or industry or whatever mm-hmm. behind you, and even if you don't want any of those things, then you're gonna have to get creative. You're gonna have to find loopholes, you're gonna mm-hmm. have to find ways to get the community involved. And mm. these days it takes a lot to get the community involved. Let's say that, you know, a lot of people are just, like, not interested in voting because when they vote the candidates they vote for end up stabbing them in the back or you know they'll make a lot of promises to the latino community the asian community the black community and then they get elected and nothing ever happens they are gone
1: like they're a completely different person nowhere
2: to be found can't find them at all so um you know i think one of the things that i'm seeing a lot now is around biden's campaign he really went for it obviously he was running against trump but he really went for the black and brown vote he got the black and brown vote but then when it came to student loans look how late he was on student loans everything everything policing he is definitely not interested in defunding the police that is something that we talk a lot about in los angeles politics in general mm-hmm. um i i don't remember what the budget is for lapd
0: but it is insane mm-hmm. it's
5: over Three billion dollars oh,
0: i'm crazy. sorry over three, what three billion dollars $3, three billion with More than a b than yeah. transportation education all of it combined combined yeah. So, people are upset. (laughs) People are upset
2: that they keep voting for people who make a lot of promises that they don't end up keeping. So, you know, when it comes to um, y'all who are in the community, just got out of a campaign, really now stepping into, you know actually getting things done and then of course having that hard centeredness of like staying in contact with the community making sure that things don't fall into just the trending news and then it's gone the next day what are y'all hearing from people and how is that kind of dictating the way you're choosing to move moving forward maybe Shelly you can go first so, reiterate
0: really right that in terms of trending about.
2: Yeah, you know how, like, you know, BLM for a while was trending okay, and people okay. were utilizing that and manipulating that as, like, vote for me because I will, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But then they get elected and they don't do anything. Or maybe they, you know, say things like, oh, we don't need to defund the police. We need to fund the police, right? Yeah. And it just contradicts everything, right? Gotcha. So how do you kind of stay connected with the community and keep them inspired yeah. and hopeful? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha.
0: Well, definitely a financial piece is so important. And like my dream is that a lot of our political campaigns and leadership is not like <laughs> this just like completely insane, like unfair level, you know, yeah. of, you know, people having to like blood, sweat, and tears, like be so crazy creative just to like make it by um it just is, it's so unfair. And yeah. so I think one of the things that was really coming through to me was just like, like, let's not let these systems and structures and machines use us. Let's make sure we use them. Yeah. And, and also we're in this bridging point of deconstructing and reconstructing something. So we still are on that bridge and we are going to have to be patient. We are going to have to be um understanding i mean obviously also just genius and like high integrity <laughs> right here but like um we're gonna have to be willing to be a little bit um flexible like you can't literally completely separate yourself from capitalism we're all right. unfortunately compromised by it like yeah but if you try to like go off grid and like not use amazon it's like almost impossible <laughs> to survive like we're in it so if it's instagram you know you can get wrapped in or you can just stay aware and heart centered and educated and know how to use the okay it's only reels now only videos okay well I'm gonna have to make videos oh my God, that, that are catchy enough it's super annoying <laughs> but we just get creative and we figure out how to use that system so it's not using us and monetize it and 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 right. trend it and I mean like shout out to Reddit for the Reddit like <laughs> universe that just is so dynamic and using that system and like yeah. toppling other things. So I think um financially and also just in terms of keeping community engaged the Heart Department is this beautiful physical building built in 1924 in the Arts District in Los Angeles. Stunning wood floors, plants everywhere, natural light. And I was so blessed to come into the lease of this building a few months ago, like four months ago. And um, it is something that makes money, mm. right? It's a gorgeous venue we rented out for filming and all these corporate events and all that cool stuff. Um, and additionally, it's on those off days, you know, I'm not just gonna be in there, oh, this is so cool, I keep it to myself, like, no, like, every hour this day, there's communities that would just beg for a beautiful space to work in, to have access to, for it to be. Like, I would love to invite your staff to come to a sound bath. Mm -hmm, All of you, mm -hmm. you've all worked so hard. Like, our communities need places to rest, take a nap, you know, Mm -hmm. and so simultaneously, I'm in that bridge. I'm like, oh, I need to have profit. I have to have all this money to do all this stuff just so I can take care of my community. Cool, bet. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to start something that creates profit. Mm -hmm. Um, And by the grace of God, I was able to, like, do that. But also, I'm going to also have a uh, a nonprofit component, the community component. And so it makes it, it gives me resources. It makes it cool. It makes it sexy, Um, but it also, um, which helps, I think, keep people, people engaged, but it's my way of utilizing the system. Like, I'm not gonna be, mm-hmm. and also, I just wanna shout out that I'm probably one of the only black queer woman owned businesses in the arts district, and it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. So, shout out to that. Everybody needs to pull up on us <laughs> so I can eventually one day buy this building, <laughs> maybe, or some other building. But yes, I think, absolutely. you know, we deserve to be there. We deserve nice things.
1: When you describe that bridge of deconstruction and reconstruction, you know, I think it's Ian LaVanzat who says, love builds the bridge and trust walks you over the mm. bridge mm. and it's this idea to me the way that i interpret that is to say that there has to be people who play their part there are going to be people who need to deconstruct yep. there are people who are going to be who are going to build and there are going to be people who are going to be in community who says hold my hand Let's go for this ride together. We're gonna be okay. So I'm listening to all of you speak and I'm seeing the different roles that you play in this deconstruction and reconstruction. I'm really inspired by that. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, Shelley, is about the more icky parts of this, right? Mm -hmm. The icky parts of like raising money. We know that when it comes to venture capitalists, for example, black women are not getting the money like that, right? Latinas are not, (laughs) right. Latinas are not getting the money like that.
3: It's like half a percent.
1: Yes, it's ridiculous. gross. It's it's 99% of the money goes to white folks, white um, men, especially white men. men. <laughs> yes, white men in particular. Yeah. So my question to you is how do you feel about being in the space of this ultimate trying to achieve this, this balance that we were talking about? Raising this money, feeling like we deserve to have nice things mm-hmm. too right? Making that declaration that we need this level of support. How does it feel? One, being vulnerable mm-hmm. to one, ask your community for money when sometimes the community ain't got no coins. Uh-huh. And then two, stepping into spaces where people are looking at you like, listen, black girl, what you know about business and how you gonna get me to return on my investment. Oh my goodness, like, every day. Yeah. What <laughs> is that like for you? Tell us a little bit about that, even if it's uh-huh. not a part of the sexy part of the conversation.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I, I kind of want to talk real quick. Cause you had asked about Bruce's Beach. I'm gonna see if I can tie it in. Okay. Um, yeah. This work started, at the beach like we did our first day of healing in uh venice beach and no yeah in venice beach and the next one of the next ones we did was in santa monica at the inkwell which is historically black beach in la if anyone doesn't know used to be a black beach and that was where black folks felt safe to go enjoy the ocean um and uh, the name even in it so there's a lot yes. of Inkwells all over the country actually and on the coast um and then i also learned about bruce's beach which i actually got to be there the day that the deed was actually given back to the bruce family yeah. i'm not related i think i know I'm Shirley bruce we, and- we're not- <laughs> Sure, so slide sliding my DMs on that. So <laughs> um, but um, it was very serendipitous because I ended up doing a live painting for that event and I met the Bruces and the cousins and it was just chills and just magical mm-hmm. and profound because in these rich and affluent neighborhoods, which is the the whole, just the displacement of people of color, indigenous people for centuries is just yeah. always a thing. Like here we were in these beautiful places, Building the Bruce family built a resort um for black people to have a safe place to gather Mm. and as soon as some white folks saw oh no 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 you're not and they you know scared them away from what was there stole it from them stole it stole it it. it. um and so i think in terms of us having nice things we (laughs) we'll build nice things for ourselves and then people still try and work yep. us out of those things so I think abundance can be scary it, uh, when yes. I moved, when I came into the heart department physical building for a month and a half I had like anxiety because I was like oh this is so nice how can I be here mm-hmm. like how do I deserve this like yes. I ha- you know what I mean so it's there's so many like codes and things in our DNA and just things where we just carry fear around abundance and at the guilt. same time and guilt mm-hmm. but at the same time we forget that we are it we forget that we are abundant and that we are infinite and that's like it can be feel very floaty to say that but it's also very real look how infinitely creative they had to be to to run this campaign and it just reminds us of when I think about the number of funds that exist out there all I can think about is how can I create creative little bridges for us to start to refunnel these resources so we cannot think that we're limited and I don't want to discon- disconnect at all. How difficult it is to be an indigenous person on a reservation at times. How difficult it is for working family. How difficult it is for folks in the restaurant industry. Like I think yeah. you were telling me earlier that your father was working on a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. Like I can't mm-hmm. even fathom some of the things that folks who are working class in this country experience and impoverished in a number of things. So I don't want to discredit that at all. I grew up in upper middle class, went to private schools. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? My, although my parents worked very hard to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time we can find ways to create resources creatively. And its it, I've felt so insulted for months. Like, you know what I mean? I've had to work very hard and be very patient and do my breath work to not pass people <laughs> yeah. out. Um, and, and ask myself, dang, I was just trying to raise 50K. You know yeah. what I mean? People looked at me like I was crazy for asking for that, for something that's so valuable. Yeah. So I've just had to have a lot of grace that I didn't want to have, but I had to have a lot of grace <laughs> and a lot of presence and a lot of love to forgive people for their ignorance before the, before I, yeah. And, and just continue, I guess, prove myself at times. Now that I'm in here, everyone's like, oh my gosh, it's so shiny and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Remember when you didn't realize it was that, but you know, there is just still a reeducation from within our community, outside of our community um, to combat the sexism of fundraising, to combat the racism of fundraising. And I'm just very glad to be here now and people are more beginning to see it, but I, it, it, it really tried to take me out so many times, but it, Thank God I was loved, covered, and protected, but um, it was worth the sacrifice. Yeah. It was worth the days I spent crying. It was worth the days I had to go double up on therapy. It was worth the, the things I had to sacrifice because now that we're here, I don't want people to have to fight as hard as me to blaze that trail. But- we are in a, we're in a place now where it's there's more possibility and right. and it's and it's worth it it's yeah. worth it to sometimes like put your neck out there and run for a campaign or or go visit the oil <laughs> <laughs> whatever the, the, the site do the research to figure out where the funding's coming from even if it's a dangerous neighborhood or whatever like right. you know I, I think sometimes it's worth those sacrifices and I hope that people are brave enough to do what's right. We have to be brave enough to do what's right in a world that's full of so much inequity because they're benefiting off of us and our cowardice. Sometimes they're benefiting Mm -hmm. off of our, our numbness and we don't have time to be apathetic. So go breathe, pray, drink your water, take your time (laughs) and then get in there and figure out how you're going to contribute because we don't, we we don't get to not we we have, must participate yeah. in yeah. in our transformation and it doesn't always have to be uncomfortable it can also be beautiful
1: yeah mm-hmm. Ooh, that was very 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 well said thank you for that yeah um you said sexism in there yeah uh, oh let's to, go let's go let's let's, let's <laughs> get in there I'm actually yeah. going yeah. go to and I want to ask Dulce too okay yes. yeah yeah, can, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah
2: go ahead you can you can go to Dulce well I wanted to ask because you know so often we are so aware of race being the thing the horrible like shadow on top of everybody um and sexism Mm -hmm. oftentimes i find that in order for that to be taken seriously it has to be very overt it has to be very in your face it has to be like you got to prove it right Mm but we don't realize that we still live in a very patriarchal society. And until we hear statistics like the VCs are 99% white men who are getting funded, until we hear statistics like that, we're like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal, right? Dulce for you, running <laughs> oh my god what was that like because i i believe your opponent was a man right mm-hmm. yeah so what was it like for you to be a woman in the space to get the critique that you did which i'm sure came not just with racism but with sexist ideologies behind it as well ageism too and ageism. Oh, shit. so ageism. what has that been like and how do you again keep the hope and keep moving forward even after this campaign's over
3: so for those listening, um, I did go through a candidate training program okay. um, that trains uh, Democratic women, and mm. they have a particular focus on women of color, to run for office uh, called Emerge California. They have Emerge America. I think they have 38 states that that do this um, nice. around the country. But um, I'm so glad I did it because, A, it gave me a network of women that Ran the cycle with me. Mm. You know, some of them won. Uh, shout out to Katie Yaroslavsky. Uh, some of them lost, um, but they were with me. I could call them be like, hey, we're going through the same thing. We're going through the same endorsements. We're going through the same funding cycle. Wow. And it's very lonely as a candidate. And it's very lonely as as women because there were 25% of elected offices were 50% of the population.
4: Right. It's crazy. Uh,
3: for, for Latina and black women, that, that number is even lower.
4: Yeah.
3: Mm. Um, I experienced all of the things during the campaign. Um, I had a short-lived... Um, uh, misogyny chronicles on my Twitter of the things that trying to call out things that mm. um, were happening to me. I think the the most scandalous one, I think um, one of my opponent's cronies um, <laughs> called one of my donors because they publish all of your donors mm. um, on the ethics website, called one of my donors uh, who he had known and been like, why did you donate to her? Are you sleeping with her?
2: Oh my god! Oh, wow! We're still dealing with that. We're still that dealing dope. with that. We're still dealing That's with that. So petty and gross. We're still
3: <laughs> dealing with that. Wow. Um, and then you know, then there are other things like safety, mm-hmm. right? I said I had protesters at my house. They were not violent. Like they're allowed to voice their opinion, but I think, um, you know, I, I had a visitor. I struggled to call him a stalker, but mm. I had a random white man in the middle of South Central stand outside my house and take pictures, and I'm impulsive, as I said. <laughs> I saw him out my front window, and I just ran out there, and I'm like, excuse me, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, dulce, like, no. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> oh, and of okay. course, he, like, jumped back in his car and, like, sped away, but then mm. I, you know, yeah. There's this guy taking that. pictures of my house. Wow. Yeah. You know, someone on Twitter at some point well, there was some flurry and it happened to cross my feed that they're like, oh, I'm her neighbor. She's home right now. Girl. No. Wow. And it sent like chills through my body where I can no longer feel safe right. in my own space. And that would not happen to a man.
1: Right. Absolutely not.
3: Right. Yeah. So so there are very specific instances of running as a woman and the dangers and you know your sense of self your sense of being your sense of community your sense of family your sense of safety
2: yeah
3: mind you know your mind and how you deal with this um that were just scary. it's intense mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's, it's intense. really intense i think aoc when um Whoa they did the Netflix documentary about all the candidates that had run. AOC was a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Bringing down the house. Yes, bringing down the Mm -hmm. house. Um, I remember there was a specific scene where she was about to go into the town hall, something, it was like a debate that she was doing with the candidate that she was running against who had been there for years, for Mm -hmm. like 20 years. And he was a man, and she literally had to hype herself up. I don't know if y'all remember that scene or if you've even watched it, Um, but... It like it took me aback because i had i hadn't because i've never ran for office or anything like that i had assumptions of what it might be like but until i saw her and the other women in that documentary hyping themselves up just to like be in a debate mm-hmm. with another man star pose yes you kind of <laughs> have to do it that helped. because you forget all the things that you internalize and then you have to prepare yourself for all the things that they're going to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Like, oh cute little girl, like oh, yeah. little brown girl, you're gonna you Oh yeah, know. And, and and that's the, that's the other part. Yeah,
3: you know, and part of that, you know, is our own community. Yes. Where um, yeah. you know, I would go knock on a door and I would meet an older Latino gentleman. Right, the machista and, and then he'd look at me and he's like, Tu? Yeah. Like you? I'm like, Yes, me. And he's like, But tu eres muchachita, like mm-hmm. you're young, like you're not you're not old enough to do this. Yeah. Right? And you know, uh, beautiful brown skin, but y'all, I'm thirty-six years
4: old. <laughs> I've,
1: I've, I've
2: had a career. <laughs> yes. right? I've had a career. Don't play me. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't underestimate yeah. me, right? I can have a teenager by now. And exactly. You're telling me I can't do this. Exactly. Yes. Watch Yeah, the machismo Ooh. in Latino culture is really intense mm. and you know, we're we're mm. noticing that. Now, with social media just kind of taking off like it really has in the last 10 years, we're really noticing just how much our communities mm-hmm. need to also progress in a lot of Absolutely. ways, despite all mm-hmm. of the other things that we're dealing with. So, can uh, I talk about the
0: sexism yeah Yes, oh, please, please, please yes. step on, on into the room. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, on <laughs> um, your side, goodness. And, and I mean, I'd love to chat with you later about like how can we continue to. Personally, interpersonally, and collectively build safety for folks, for queer folks, for trans folks, for women, um, because it just shouldn't be happening. Right. Like, who do I need to have posted up behind out somebody's door? Like, I need to just be like, don't even come over here with that camera. Right. Um, but no, I just. One of the biggest issues I've had, I thought I was playing a protest, a yoga event, a Mm -hmm. music night, and I'd have women DM me, oh, I can't come because so-and-so is leading it, and they assaulted me. Oh, I can't do this because so-and-so stole my car. I I even had someone come up. We were all white at the event. He's an all-black. He's up at the front, and he's standing in the front with with the woman who's speaking is the person who he assaulted, and it's just like, you know, and I was like, okay, do I have to have security at this? I, I, it's just so. Even
2: in community centered even, events. Even
0: within our own community and one of the biggest there's issues turmoil. I've had is that the, the complexity of privilege and oppression of black masculine bodied folks like but there's so much patriarchy and there's so mm, much yeah. just just sexism and, and gender based violence Yeah, even in spiritual creative political local and larger activism communities and it just it's hard because people say they love you and they're around and then i think there's also this apathy Mm -hmm. where they don't have the tools or they're just not really willing to listen and show up like even the heart department was going to be the name for a coalition that was around like conflict resolution but it really came out of how many more reports can i get in my dms and also personally experience Mm -hmm. then have to show up and do this work and how many more of these can i get before we need to plan better structures because a lot of activism organizations don't have an HR department. They don't yeah, have right, right. You know, the resources for legal. They don't. I felt afraid to even sue, an, even fortunately, another uh, black woman in my community that didn't pay me. I should've sued her, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it was at some point, this is abusive. But again, I think for me, I, I really want there to be a genuine culture around healing and black masculinity, healing and masculine culture because I also know that those who um, oppress others are also impressing themselves mm-hmm. and feeling experiencing things. And right. so there's a forgiveness and a love and a grace you have to have after you go through your emotional processing. But you know, whether it's one of our brothers take off being murdered by his own people, right. or whether it's a trans person not being able to walk down the street, Y'all, we need sound bath, we need the therapy, we need the coalition, the conversation, the statement about this is how we need to respond when we hear of these incidents. Right. I cannot have another incident like this happen. And a woman literally move out of the state, a woman literally remove herself from the community right. because no one else is standing up for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like an insane uphill battle that we're trying to fight right. to to just do this work. It's every day not feeling safe there was a point where even at the heart department the door wasn't working and people just weren't really as um you know expeditious to get <laughs> their door repaired and i'm like Y'all about to have me move in here, pay this rent, and the door don't lock? Mm-hmm. Right. Beyond that being ridiculous, it's like, this is my safety as a right. woman. I might work with a staff of men, but they're not thinking about these things at all. Right. They're like, oh, you know, no. Oh, yeah, I have to yeah. just be ferocious and be a warrior spirit at times. And man, if you're not gonna protect me, I'm gonna protect myself, but I'm not stopping there. I wanna create a culture of how we respond to this yeah. that's loving and fierce, but like, let's shift the culture. Right. Because if we shift the culture, hopefully more people will know. to respond to these things and hopefully have more empathy for for what it is to be a feminine being walking around in this world yeah Yeah, Yeah.
1: absolutely and i would say that like the reason why it's so difficult to really expose this right and to actually have real conversations about this is because some of us will have to admit that it's your daddy it's your brother it's your uncle
2: it's your husband
1: it's your it's your man mm-hmm. it's happening
0: that's in doing the most intimate space that's what's so hard about yes. it yes and yeah.
1: and and a lot of times I'll, I'll i'll talk about black folks is that you know my mom told me this what happens in os stays in os. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't tell people your business yeah. right
2: and I heard I, that a lot as a Latina. Of
1: course, that was it's a anthem. part of who we are to say that we are. These people already think that we're that we're messy. They call their, they they call us a whole bunch of names. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they've been the ones to rape and pillage, but they say it's us. So now that we have right. these labels, um, we don't want to add any mess. We don't want to add any fire to the fuel. So we're quiet. My immigrant parents, you keep your head down. You do what you have to do. You get your education. Go out work out and and move along mm-hmm. with your life. So to come out and talk about our our stories, our harm, the violence that we experience at home is, it's like a feeling of betrayal to certain people, even if they do know that this is actually happening in the community, and it is that, that keeps people from speaking up and speaking out, including women, Mm. right? And I would like to bring you into the conversation right now, Sim, too, as well, because, You know, I think that conversations like this have to be inclusive of everyone. This does not move forward without men, without, you know, the more masculine appearing folks, the folks who oftentimes do not have to think twice about their bodies being harmed in a certain and a very particular way by men. With your work, right, with campaigning, with being out here in the streets, was it a priority for your campaign? Was it a priority for you to have? women on your team to have femmes on your team trans folks and queer folks and if that is in fact true how did you feel like that impacted your campaign
5: yeah you know our campaign manager is a woman so okay and our most of our entire volunteers and stuff there are women so you know uh we we never really had too much issues with you know just a lot of the toxic i guess culture of, you know patriarchy and, and misogyny because women were leading and women are making decisions and you know taking up space equally and so that was always you know a, a priority for us to make sure that you know everyone felt welcome and, and safe in our campaign and you know i can't really recall any incidences where that that was the case where someone felt unsafe or voice you know they're, they're unsafe which i feel like is a blessing because you know our campaign is led by gen z and, and millennial men included so like you know we we are a lot more conscious of you know women and and their struggles and things like that even like uh you know when it comes to like canvassing we made sure that uh, you know, nobody was going by themselves, especially if they're a woman. Okay. Know, mm-hmm. They're they're going with someone. Because
2: that can be real scary. You oh, tell yeah. me, I got to go into the neighborhood and talk to them. I'm you know,
5: unavailable. I'm like, Who else is
2: coming with me? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: There there was a case where you know our campaign manager, she's a very small Vietnamese woman, and she opened the door, and someone was getting like way too aggressive. Mm. This guy, he's like, you know, yeah. insinuating all these kind of things and, you know, uh, because there was that and, you know, we made sure that, you know, she felt safe, that, you know, someone was really close by with her and just all the time, you know, keeping an eye on each other and, you know, keeping in the the model, you know, we keep us safe, you know, that that was a core tenant in our campaign. Uh, and you know, because she was our campaign and manager, was a woman. Th- we had the fair share of the people saying, "Oh, he, he's he's dating his campaign manager," mm. or that's his wife." And just like things that weren't true, like he's happily right. married. So like silly. they're they're Work not they're not in a relationship. <laughs> uh, so you know that that was coming from like the people that were outside the campaign, or just like a lot of the toxicity was. Mm-hmm. It was definitely outside the campaign and directed towards us because he saw us, mm-hmm. real thriving. But, It's like that need to
1: always take away power from women. Yeah, Yeah, that's just so obvious. It's just always there. Oh, she must be. There's always an excuse for it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, she's this, she's that. Yeah, it's so scared of the power,
2: aren't
1: they? I wanted to ask specifically to you, Shelly, about BLM, another organization that has had its ups and its downs. Right, the the genesis of it is so pure. Right, that's what we believe. That it's so pure, and I still believe that to this day. Um, But Over the years, we've heard a lot of controversy that has come through Um, our news cycles on Twitter, talking about the leaders of the organizations are doing this, they're buying mansions, they're, they're taking money from this person and that person. And there's a lot of infighting that's happening. My question is, off of the heels of the conversation of our own folks causing issues, do you think that even with BLM, for example, and the controversy that exists there, Do you think that that works against the progress of black folks when people can dispel our movement by saying, oh, look at what they did, or look at what they're, look, they're not really, they don't really care because if we're being honest, BLM is not as popular of a hashtag, or it's not as popular on the tip of people's tongues as it once was before. Mm -hmm, So, to reiterate, do you think that for us in community with each other, do you think that we kind of like water down our own organizations by one, not calling out these things and being out and open about it to preserve the legacy of these organizations? Or do you, or or, you know, you can answer that. And then also, how do you feel (laughs) or why do you feel that people aren't talking about BLM
0: as much now? I'm actually kind of surprisingly neutral on this particular question because um A just a lack of probably a full awareness of certain things, but B, if we I think are being truly abolitionist, I mean who don't got a mess in the house somewhere. Of course. Um <laughs> who don't got a closet that's <laughs> just tucked of away course. with something and Ultimately, we're human beings. Ultimately, we do not know what we're doing. No one gave us a guidebook. That's not to excuse things that are unjust or, or unfair. But one thing I ask myself is, I can't fathom what it would be to be a founder of BLM. I can't fathom mm-hmm. the death threats. I can't fathom the the things that need to happen in secret. Uh, I I I, I, can't, I I imagine, but I can't fathom and under fully understand the complexities of something. And I also hope that people in their process, if they're making mistakes, they're finding ways to eradicate it. Um, it's just so much pressure. There's a lot of mistakes I've made in my yeah. process of of procrastination and just not being well organized and taking on too much. And some things were maybe ignorance or laziness, some things were just overwhelm and, and mental health, whatever. But mm-hmm. I think ultimately, um, I hope that everyone in every community can have the bravery to call out oppressive structures and also have the bravery to call it out within ourselves and have the bravery to call it out within our own organizations so yeah maybe it does seem watered down but also want to be like forget Mm y'all you know like okay we have a problem are we going to be in the the dead end literal dead end destructive cycle of pointing the blame on everybody or getting stuck in even your wisdom of saying telling you just like to say like You know, let's not engage with certain things, but also um, I think what's truly abolition is to say we all are going to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be brave enough to call out mistake Uh, in even within sexism. Like it's very some things don't belong online. You know, some things Mm -hmm. like I didn't talk about till I was more healed, but now I'm at least a little bit more bold about talking about my suicidal ideation, Mm -hmm. talking about those things, because if I don't, I was suffering in so much shame. And that's why a lot of people aren't here. You know, so I had to be brave enough to talk about certain things, even though I might look like I have it all going on. Um, so we have to have a willingness if we're going to talk about abolition and liberation to own that we all are imperfect, be brave enough to call it out and then also say, you know what? how can we continue to just make things better? And if with maybe Black Lives Matters and as popular hashtag, one of the hashtags for our organization now is Black Healing Matters. Mm -hmm. Like that to me is the new wave. The new revolution is wellness, Mm -hmm. is healing, is get your butt in the sound bath, this breath work, this (laughs) twerk class, I don't know what it is, (laughs) in in the class, sit your butt down and read, whatever you need to do that's focused at least, because a lot of things are healing. Healing is just kind of this buzzword, but reframe the framework of how we operate to come from well-being. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to mean that I'm going to mess up yeah. and that's going to mean that I'm going to work to have more forgiveness even for people who are just so violently and, and belligerently greedy and and cruel even these Trump supporters even these whoever a lot of people I think in our rural states in America do not have love and resources and education and and structures and are probably afraid of their own family members mm-hmm. but shout out mm-hmm. to some of those Gen Z folks who are so brave you are like mom I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you out for your racism yes. right? I'm going to call you All out for the I love I it Man, and like, that's scary oh. <laughs> and that's brave but it's and it's, it's scary necessary. i can't even yeah. but it's necessary and shout out to gen z who are like you know what we're the new wave yes. <laughs> we're the answer you ain't got to worry about us because we're going to be brave enough to to say no to the past and let those new media folks be shook be shooketh okay be shooketh. <laughs> because you didn't even see us coming you know whatever red wave no the gen z wave is about to come yes i like that strategically like that. Yes. and rework in a genius fashion, you know, like what this all looks like, and I and I affirm that from a perspective of wellness and healing. That even if there's something that's happening within our house, even if it's black men being violent to our own our own people and afraid of them each other, that we can start to go, wow, what's really happening in in sports culture? What's really happening in rap culture? What's really happening? And and have a bravery to say, I no longer participate in this, and know that that doesn't have to be a scary thing. We're going to hold one another through it. Because I guess the last thing I'll say is being, uh, experiencing violence and witnessing it in my community. I have so much rage. I need a punching bag so bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I got through one aspect of my rage, I realized these people didn't grow up with these tools. These people didn't have these things, no matter how personal they try to make it, no matter how belligerent they are. And so I'll try to do my best to process my rage and express it, um, you know, in the healthiest way I can. And also at some point I have to say, you know what? None of us grew up with these tools. Mm-hmm. So I'm hopefully gonna come toward you not with punishment, which is this the system that we're in. I'm gonna right. come toward you with with hopefully empathy yeah. and 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 realize that there's gotta be a way for me to not be at this dead end with you, but be in a regenerative cycle, which is so much of a natural way of our planet mm-hmm. and so much of a natural way of our indigenous practice. Let like, how can I be cyclical? I'm not gonna come at you with rage and destroy each other. I'm gonna say how how can I, you know, find love? And and it's not always going to be fluffy. But I, my goal is not to punish you. My goal is for us to to all thrive. Right,
1: yeah, I right. love that answer. And I just wanted to say too, I fully still believe in Black Lives Matters. By the way, I just oh, wanted to say sure. that. Yeah. But I, but I, what I was going to say is that also for the leaders, I mean. Why can't they step away? Mm-hmm. You know why? Why is it that you can't reach a point in your activism mm-hmm. where you're like, I cannot do this anymore? Mm-hmm. Why can't you reach the point in your activism that says, I'm gonna go make movies now because uh, I can't do this anymore? Like, which why? Is still I, like, see, a form I see a lot of, of folks activism, doing that too, which which right? can still definitely still be a form, a form of, of activism,
4: activism.
1: but. This need that I see of other people wanting to keep people in a box, which means, no, you're supposed to stay poor and active and be an activist. Forever. Well, you're supposed what? to
2: stay poor, traumatized.
1: Then your hair needs to be nappy. I don't. You don't need to. It don't look like no. you need to have a blowout Forever. all the time. I'm going to
0: write this email from the spa. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's but a yeah. real thing. And we
0: do deserve we think nice things.
2: Exactly. Yes. And do we really think that if BLM were started by men that they would get the same level of critique, of critique and scrutiny because it is wow. three black women who started that movement, who had no idea where it was gonna go. They also were artists yeah. in LA mm-hmm. doing the work in community. They had no idea that it was gonna take off. And now they have white supremacy and white supremacist agents who are trying consistently to bring it down. Over and over and over, mm-hmm. and it's insidious. Yes, and I we... don't see this happening to white men yeah. who start organizations, right? Yes. Yeah, that's it's not that happening to self-hatred them.
0: Self hatred and just yes, yeah. just yeah. yeah. But I, 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 my, it's like I, we're all learning. What does protection look like? What does safety right. look like? Yeah, we can keep us safe. And I continue to affirm that as we reimagine safety and protection, that I just affirm that black women feel more safe. I affirm that black men feel safe. I feel that yes. all folks yes. feel safe. Yes to express, to be, to mess up. You yeah. know, to because part of it is you fall over. People just want to like laugh at you forever, and make you a meme, it's no, just and like then like roll it's over you oh, again yeah, with, tr- with a truck. Right? You got to have a lot of strength to show up. And so I just affirm that we can be more held to be brave, and it's more safe to be ourselves. Yeah. And that we build a culture and a society and a way of being that it it's safer for us to just be us. That's my affirmation and my prayer. Yeah, beautiful, Absolutely, beautifully, just and very, very and well really
2: shifting the culture over to you know, these principles of away from judgment and punishment when you do something we don't like, or you do something Mm. that's considered to be wrong. It's more Mm. so of like, okay, I see that this could have been done totally differently. I have that skill set, or I know, you know, my auntie does this, that, and the other. Let me get her to help you Mm -hmm. to do this. And now it's a collaboration to get Mm. people out of the hole versus what we see is like, people think they're critiquing, but really they're just attempting to punish and bring somebody down when they're already down and not realizing that like maybe the reason they made that mistake was out of ignorance or it was their first time doing it mm-hmm, or trying mm-hmm. something new or yeah. maybe they had the wrong advice yeah and or also the wrong people.
1: and then also yes and yeah. then also really shitty examples because do yes. you have a lot of people who in office will never apologize like mm-hmm. they will never apologize they'll never concede they'll never say like oh i did something Even wrong LA some
0: of the LA city council will just like right? absolutely and For then real? people see that okay. and
1: they want to emulate that because mm-hmm. in order to be successful they is this narrative that you cannot seem weak and apologizing Mm -hmm. makes you seem weak.
0: Well, shout out to the receipts and the documents and the the reports and the research Mm -hmm. because if people are we we, we had to come loving but we have to be still fierce and persistent Absolutely. i'm gonna be fierce and persistent do my best to show facts and then okay if i was wrong that's the reframe with the facts but right. yeah i think we just still have to be very fierce and and persistent to make sure that the truth really is seen very clearly yes. like those billboards were amazing it's like you need to see this line way yes. out here <laughs> yeah, so that you can see clearly and it's undeniable yeah. right and at some point if you just still want to ignore the truth it, this nothing's going to hold you Mm -hmm. you're going to have to go and sit down you know and and figure it out because we're going to have a different right form of protection of what it what it really means yeah but so interesting that loving and that fierceness you know that have to kind of be held it's balanced it's it's what
1: it's i think like that is at the core of what we're supposed to do confrontation and compassion builds empathy yes i i want to um close out now because we have been at it we got to close But I wanna ask you too, kind of like off the heels of the question that I did ask Shelly. So you have folks like she who shall not be named in her cohorts, right? (laughs) And you have folks who have tainted the pool, tainted the trust in other communities. How do you feel about the possibility one of running again and then two (laughs) of multicultural coalition, considering the landscape that has now been altered by said events that cause people to maybe not trust you because of your background and who you are. How do you feel about that? Will you run again? Give us a
3: tea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, let's.
1: It's a have, two-parter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it,
3: well, so I think it, the conversation happened. You know, it was, it was leaked and, you know, I think I absorbed a lot of the sadness that the city felt yeah. Um in rec- you know I I know that this is how these people talk, right? Mm. So like to me it wasn't shocking, but so the initial thing was like, all right, that that happened. And then I absorbed sort of like the collective grieving that yeah. the city was doing. But then there's, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. I think that this is also a moment of complete transformation that we see perhaps once in a generation. You know, we saw it after Rodney King. We see Mm -hmm. it after uh, George Floyd. And, And in this particular instance, in just our... LA ecosystem, this is a moment Mm -hmm. where you have some incredible candidates taking office and completely changing the landscape of LA city politics. We have a new mayor. We have this opportunity for this type of multiracial coalition building. I don't think that it's going to dissolve or cure me going up to a door and them saying like, oh, all the, you know, Latinos are like Jose Huizar and Nuri Martinez and like your crooks and your whatever, like that's still going to happen. We still have, you know, two, two current, two council members that are under FBI investigation and awaiting trial and like all the things. I think that's still going to happen. And I think that's always going to be hard because there's always going to be someone taking advantage of the system for themselves right? and you just have to be solid in your messaging that you are not them like we come to this with good intentions with good ideas and I think a lot of people do and I think somewhere along the line you know you veer off track but I think you have to hold people accountable too, Mm -hmm. right? I I think we had a great candidate two years ago, um, council member Raman, you know, the the same people that got her in there have been the same people to criticize her Mm -hmm. at the moments that she's veered off Mm -hmm. course right and and i think that that takes work mm-hmm. right we can't just elect someone and be like all right they're my representative they're going to make the best choices no right. you got to be after them to make sure that they are making the best choices in your best in your collective best interest mm-hmm. so it's not time to like vote and 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 lean back where you know a mm. couple weeks after election it's time to just still be out there and doing the work. Yeah. So right. when I think about that, and, and Donovan, you said something earlier about deconstructing and, and rebuilding and then holding hands along the way. I've been out of my campaign for five months. I've been absolutely deconstructing, not just about the things that I learned on the campaign. You know, I've had a lot of personal things that I've had to grapple with. And deconstruct and and, and process. Um, I think I compartmentalized a lot of my personal life during the eighteen months of the campaign. That's just all right. Survival? There are these <laughs> there are these little doom boxes around my house. Like, yes. gotta yes. start unboxing them. So so you know, I've been doing a lot of that. I'm very blessed. You know, I've 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 been seeing a therapist for five years now. I could not have survived the campaign yeah. without also having a therapist. Um, and you know, looking ahead, I have so many ideas of all the things that I learned, of the things that I want to do, of organizations I want to start, of mm-hmm. like, you know, perhaps a business, perhaps this. And, and you know, I'm, I'm figuring out how to materialize all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not get elected. It was not meant for me this time. Um, It might be meant for me at a different time in a better situation. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, I'm going to continue doing the work. I'm on my neighborhood council. I, you know, I'm on a couple boards of things that I care about. Housing, mental health, uh, public discourse. I'm I'm in not I'm on, on the board of nonprofit organizations for all of those things. So I will continue to to do the work, and then when I find the right space that is meant for me, or whether I create that space mm-hmm. that is meant for me, and start pulling people in with me. So TBD on on another <laughs> run. Okay, okay. um, you, yeah. you got me excited though. <laughs> you got me excited
1: though. I like that energy. I like yeah. that energy because that's how you continue the mission. The mission doesn't change because things didn't go a certain way. It doesn't change. It continues. But how do you make that happen? So, you know, we're rooting for you. I'm definitely rooting for you no matter what you do. I'm so encouraged by your answer just now. And I feel your genuine disposition about The fact that you did not win this time, but the possibility to still win, Mm -hmm. period. So I just... And and I think that that's
3: what I would say to any candidate, right? You know, whether the the good things or bad things that I went through, like anyone who I know ran for office in this cycle or any cycle, like just putting your name out there, you are already winning, right? Because you are raising your hand and you're saying like... Hey, I have ideas. I think I can fix this. And whether or not it happens for you, like you just gained followers, you just gained, you know, name recognition that can help you do other spa- uh, do other things, be in other spaces that you might not have otherwise been in. And right. and you get to build community, you get to build donors and followers yeah. and c- volunteers, etc. Like I don't, I do not see a, a downside to running. Yes.
1: Beautiful. Please beautiful. Run. Okay, 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 fantastic.
2: We need more people to run. More
1: people, yes. more good people to run. Maybe
0: you yeah. might end up over there, Donovan. Right? You know. What?
1: Oh. Donovan, 2024. Oh, hell to the no! No, that is never going to happen. I would never. Oh, but Sim, I want to come to you because your your campaign was successfully, you know, with the innovation, with Gen Z backing, it's very fucking exciting. And
3: now it's time to govern. And now yes. it's
1: time to like hit the show. Now You're it's time to like, you know, now. putting it all out. They're on the line. People are going to look to you. People are going to use that same accountability word when they're talking about you. So how do you feel? Are you excited? Are you pumped? What are you looking forward to? And is your life going to be in this political arena? Is this what you're set on?
5: So this was my first campaign. Uh, I think it set the bar for my expectations for, you know, a political candidate, for a leader and like what I'm looking for. And, you know, it it created a good model for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, So going forward, you know, I I definitely think, you know, politics is not meant for someone like me, you know. There, it's not meant for some, you know, poor kid from South LA. Like they do a lot of things to keep us out of these spaces. Mm. And you know, I don't, I'm not really a Democrat. Uh, I I, <laughs> I lean to the progressive side of politics, and I'm I consider myself a progressive. But you know, I'm not a Democrat because they have traditionally sold out. You know, our communities they have made profits on Facts. running people that look like us i had to That's call true. karen bass and mm-hmm. and get dragged out by lapd because she didn't have a climate justice platform you know yeah, yeah. And they, they do these things to to make it uncomfortable for me to be in these spaces but you know, I I do feel a lot of power just being in these spaces and realizing that my presence makes people uncomfortable. I kind of like it. Hey, yeah. So, Your ancestors <laughs> would be proud. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love, I love it. it. They fuck with it. So, definitely, definitely. Um, I definitely have an interest in and in legislative process and, and politics just because it has, you know, for a long time, disenfranchised people like me. They don't want me there, and so I want to be there. Like, if they yeah. made it yeah. a welcoming and accepting space, i will I'll do something else. Like, they don't <laughs> do that, so, you know. Yeah, uh, you
2: like the challenge, And seems. then also, maybe your yeah. work is
1: done. If they're like, oh, come on, let's roll out the red carpet. You're like, oh, no, I have other things <laughs> to do. No, do. I'm yeah.
2: good.
5: <laughs> so uh, it's not really interesting to me if they want it to be welcoming and exciting because, I mean, you know, they're, they're doing the right things, but they're not because they don't want me yeah. there. right. And so you know uh I'm, I'm still filling out the landscape but you know i me and kenneth got really close on on the campaign it's been like two years and he's like he's basically he's, he's my family now nice. and uh it's, it's the same way for a lot of people in the campaign and so you know i i feel like a duty and a responsibility to not only like hold him accountable because i put so much of myself into this campaign i mm. dropped out of school for a period and it's just like I really was invested in this. And so if he fails or fucks up at any point and I'm not there to hold him accountable, it's going to do something really horrible for my reputation too. Like it's, it's very tied to this. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, you know, I, I'm dead set on making sure Kenneth is, you know, not only accountable to the people, which I know he will be, but I will be there to, you know, to support him and to, you know, to, to guide him. and. The ways what the community wants and he's he's going to show up for us so i'm excited come on gen z that's what i like to hear that was
1: that was very 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 encouraging there to hear go. he's like off the heels of what you said oh no i'm gonna hold <laughs> on the board. i love that sure. i love that yeah fantastic yeah. so shelly tell the people where can we find you where are you in the social space how can people yes. follow and support you right now
0: um I am artist Shelly Bruce on Instagram, so you can book me to do poetry or paint or (laughs) book me for a Reiki session or whatever. I'm open. I'd love to be on more podcasts and really amplify our mission. And the heart department on Instagram is the heart, D-E-P-T, the heart department. Uh And uh, we have Monday night sound baths, Tuesday night candlelit yoga. We do music events. We do. A lot of beautiful things you can utilize our space for almost anything. It's pretty versatile, it's beautiful, y'all. It's it's a beautiful beautiful space. it's gorgeous. So, check us out, go on there just to see what's up. I envision heart department New York, New Orleans. Hey, yeah, okay. So, we are we got some exciting things coming in, that's my vision, and um. And please, at minimum, just follow and stay engaged. If you want to donate, if you want to come, that's great. But please just amplify this story because I do want to see some more VC funding for yes. women like us. Yes. Um, we are more than worthy and deserving of that abundance. So Absolutely. stay in touch. Mm-hmm. And if you have that access, come holler at me because I got a plan mm-hmm. for well up to over $100 million. Yes. So yes. Call your girl. <laughs> yeah.
1: Dulce, it. where can the people find you and, su- and support you?
0: Well, I am
3: at Vasquez Dulce, uh, V-A-S-Q-U-E-Z, Dulce, D-U-L-C-E, on most platforms, uh, Twitter for as long as it's around <laughs> for. Because um, Insta- that clock is ticking. Um, yeah. Yeah. ticking. Any day now. Uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Facebook, and uh, I'm on Be Real now. The, Be Real
1: now. Uh, See, that's well, why that man, asked. when he opened up the door, he was like, uh-uh, youngin. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, she's she's on all the things. No, <laughs> <Well>, that's done. <laughs> Be Real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, alright, we got you, we got you. Yeah. And what about you? Where can people find you, sir? Uh, you
5: can find me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Eggpon, E-G-G-P-O-N and then underscore, sometimes <laughs> underscore twice on so Twitter. But yeah, on TikTok too, and yeah.
1: Thank you, Sim. Cool. Thank you. It has been an amazing conversation. I feel enlightened. Yeah. I know a little bit more about politics and raising money okay. and like what it's like being a woman in this particular space, yeah. which sounds absolutely terrifying. <laughs> you know, it, for, I'll, I'll say before um, I let Ileana get the last word, is that when it comes to this, what I consider to be a very unsexy conversation, um, at least is that how it's been marketed, this is the main conversation we need to be having it literally will impact our future, our children's futures, our nephews, our nieces futures. And with people like you, Sim, with people like you, Shelly, with people like you, Dulce, I feel a little bit more confident about what the future can look like. Aww. And that's really, really inspiring. So thank you again for being here. Once again, y'all follow these folks. They are amazing. They're out here in the, in the, uh, what is it, the city of angels mm-hmm. doing amazing things. And I think <laughs> if you look at what happened in L.A. in this election cycle, you can see that the, the work is resonating. Yes. So congratulations on all your work. Go ahead, Eliana.
2: Yes, no, closing it out. This was such a good conversation. I want to thank every single one of you for accepting the invitation. And being here and talking so transparently and authentically, and we're definitely going to keep up with you. We'll definitely hit you up, and you know, in the future, and do a follow up session to see how it's going. Um, but yeah, I'm really definitely inspired. I've only been living in Los Angeles for a little less than half five years, um, but I really love the community here, and you know, just being a part of putting together protests, vigils, being a part of politics here has been both complicated, (laughs) challenging, but also really, really beautiful. So, you know, I'm really excited to see what you all continue to do. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to get Stranger Fruit to, you know, Mm -hmm. be the platform where people can really have these conversations, so. One hundred percent.
1: Yes. 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 So, thanks again for being here. For all of you who are listening or watching, um, follow us at the Stranger Fruit on Instagram and TikTok. We are not going to be on the Twitter. No. <laughs> it is not happening. So, we yeah. love you. Stay safe. Stay blessed. And take care of yourself. We'll see you next time. Peace. Bye. Bye.